0: This is City AM Unregulated. I'm Emma Hazlitt.
1: And I'm Zach Mir on this week's show, how to ditch FOMO in the workplace by being scrappy.
2: It's synonymous with having moxie, being enthusiastic, kind of gutsy and spunky. We're joined by Terry Shodine,
0: author of Small Message, Big Impact.
2: The anecdote to FOMO is, all right, what kinds of things can I do to execute and really make things
1: happen? 10% entrepreneur author and the man behind the phrase FOMO, Patrick McGuinness.
3: But when you feel FOMO around seeing people do things that you wish you were doing, those are clues into what you maybe should be thinking about doing in the future.
0: Welcome to City AM Unregulated. Hello and welcome to City AM Unregulated. Today
1: we're joined by two different voices who are going to tap for skills to scale up fast. Terry Shodine, who's known for her bestseller Small Message, Big Impact, is here to teach us how to be scrappy, the theme of her new book. And so we don't have that existential fear of missing out on what could have been, Patrick McGuinness on how to be a 10% entrepreneur.
0: Basically, it's a show on hitting the big time and avoiding FOMO at work. So let's start with you, Patrick. You invented the term FOMO. Tell us about that.
3: So. I, um, for all of you who are listening, I'm credited with inventing the term FOMO or fear of missing out. And also it's brother or sister is depending on your day faux or fear of a better option. And the reason I came up with this term was that when I was in graduate school, I was at Harvard Business School, and it's a group of overachievers. And so everybody wanted to be everywhere at all times, didn't want to miss out on a thing, wanted to optimize their lives. And I noticed this, so I wrote an article about it in the school paper that became a little bit of a mini viral article at the time. And then over the years, I started noticing it was popping up all over the place. And then a reporter wrote an article about uh, the fact that I had actually... Originated the phrase, and it kind of surprised me because I had lost track of its expansion over the globe. And unfortunately, you haven't trademarked
1: or uh, copyrighted the phrase.
3: I like to think of it as an open source uh, product that can be used by anybody uh, with with you my goodwill. Yes, just just tweet me when you use it, please.
0: <laughs> um, so, you know, we tend to use it for parties. You know, a lot of my friends will have problems when other people are at parties and Instagramming all their fun. Tell us how this applies to business.
3: Well, I think these days we live in a time where traditional careers have changed, where working on Wall Street or being a doctor or being a lawyer or being corporate isn't as attractive as it once was. And at the same time, we have all this entrepreneurship around us. We see all these people starting companies and they're launching apps and going to airy offices where they get to drink designer coffee. And so I think a lot of us feel the FOMO of not being able to be entrepreneurs. And we ask ourselves, how can I, you know, I may not be able to quit my job. I may not be able to support myself um, without sort of having a day job. Maybe I have a mortgage or family, but uh, that leads to the question, how can you overcome that FOMO and Become part of the world of entrepreneurship,
1: but isn't it, isn't it really tough out there? I mean, most small businesses fail. We know we know that already. Do you have to be a Harvard Business School graduate in order to succeed in this area?
3: Well, you're exactly right. About seventy five percent of companies uh, do not return the expected returns and so this is the, the grand irony of all this FOMO is that people are looking at a world that has been glamorized and in fact entrepreneurship is very hard and you can you may not be a Harvard business school grad or you may be but chances are you're not going to be successful your first time around and, and
2: Terry would you would you agree with that do you think people have entrepreneur FOMO you know, from, I'm an entrepreneur. I've owned my own business for over 25 years now. It is a small business and we have to be scrappy. And I think that, you know, the anecdote to FOMO is, all right, what kinds of tactical, practical things can I do to execute and create successful outcomes for myself and my business in order to find a workaround versus going through the front door and really make things happen? And I think that's how our two ideas or philosophies can complement each other.
0: So you talk you talk about going from small to big. Patrick, you talk about, um, I guess, staying small for a while and having more of a long-term view.
2: Terry, do you think it's important to, to be long-term? I think it's progressive. You know, it's a great question. I mean, ultimately, uh, you know, I can remember the very first time I heard the word scrappy or kind of became aware of this notion. And it was after I had seen the movie Wall Street where uh, Charlie Sheen the character of Bud Fox and he's trying to land a big deal, right? He's trying to get a big client. A Along the movie. way, of course, he's still serving the little clients, right? The medium sized clients. But in the back of his mind, he knew what could really help him kind of advance in his career and also his financial income was to play a little bigger. So I don't think that you can just you know, surrender your small and medium-sized plays in order to play big. I think it's part of this whole kind of progressive nature of your goals as an entrepreneur or as as even as a sales professional working within an organization, or even if you're a career transitioner. You might be at one stage of your career, but you're going to get scrappy and play a little bigger so that you can advance in your career level. So it really just depends on where you are. And playing big is what does big mean to you? Well, so tell us your definition of the word scrappy. Right, so I define Scrappy as being full of fighting spirit. It's synonymous with having moxie, being feisty, enthusiastic, kind of gutsy and spunky. One of my favorite definitions comes from the Urban Dictionary, which describes a Scrappy person as someone who's little but can really kick some ass. So
0: I kind of like that one <laughs> I was going to say, from the Urban Dictionary. It's, well, it's <laughs> like, scra- it's like sc- I don't
3: know if you remember Scooby-Doo, he had a little cousin named Scrappy-Doo. Scrappy Doo. Scrappy-Doo right, yeah, was, th- was the best character on the show.
2: Some people loved him, some people hated him, but I think that he kind of right has that that image of that
0: fight well, became I'm, evil I'm, in the 2004 film. Right, he was a little dark. <laughs> well, I'm boycotting that. <laughs> uh,
2: but you know, I think that what makes Scrappy different, and you know, Scrappy differs from this kind of idea of being persistent or kind of gritty, in is that a Scrappy person is really going to find that clever workaround in order to get somewhere a little bit faster uh, with a little bit of savvy and a little bit of creativity that helps them get where they want to go without having to go through the kind of drudgery of the day-to-day. Like, oh gosh, if I pay my dues over time, I'll get there. The scrappy effort helps you get there just a little bit faster. Is it possible
0: to be scrappy over the long term, Patrick?
3: You know, I think it is. I think what I've seen with at least in my own experiences, I was working in a corporate job, very comfortable, um, and I... Um, I was working at AIG in 2008, which blew up spectacularly. And all of a sudden, the government came and took my bonus and people protested outside my office. Well, and, uh,
0: we should note it's the US AIG, not yes, the UK. Or...
3: No, you can blame this one on, on um, America. And uh, what I learned from that experience was I had a decision to make. Either I would just simply feel sad for myself or I would dig deep and decide to be scrappy and find an, a new path forward. And so I love the idea of scrappiness because I think you oftentimes the idea is working with limited resources, pushing yourself into a new place and being okay with doing some of the unglamorous things you need to succeed and I think once you learn how to do that you it's a change in mindset that is absolutely sustainable because you've come to realize what is really important isn't maybe the 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 office address or the fancy business card or whatnot. It's really about doing things that matter to you, having autonomy and building something that is meaningful to you. And scrappiness is very, I think, critical to doing those types of things.
1: You mentioned, um, you know, the global financial uh, crash it was Mm. uh, eight years ago. Do you think we're, since then, I mean, uh, we've had, let's say, a, a, a new uh, uh, dot com bubble we're hoping we're hoping it's not going to uh, burst this time but entrepreneurialship has really come through now since that and is that because we're, it's a new trend for the 21st century that people are going to Less be wage slaves and more be their own bosses.
3: Yeah, I think there's two reasons for that. The first is that as we, as I mentioned earlier, traditional careers just aren't what they were. They're less stable. They're more volatile. You get that job in Goldman Sachs and you may be out on the street three years later. Um, or you get that job at a manufacturing company that extends jobs offshore. So you can't sort of sit back and watch the world go by. But at the same time, the cost of launching a new venture has dropped so meaningfully. And you know we forget the fact that iPhones are less than ten years old. You now carry around a computer everywhere you go. And so it's just so much cheaper to launch a new business. You don't need to go to Silicon Valley or to Silicon, uh, what is it, Silicon Circle Roundabout here in London yeah, sort of. to get, to get yes. cash. Uh, you can simply... Uh, you can oftentimes gather a bit of money among your friends or even just do it yourself. And I think that that has changed the equation for anybody who's interested in entrepreneurship.
0: So tell us, tell us your theory of the 10% entrepreneur.
3: So a 10% entrepreneur is somebody who spends at least 10% of their time and if possibly 10% of their money investing in, advising, or getting involved in new businesses. And it's much more, you know, freelancing is a trend that we see in America. As many as 40% of people will be freelancers by 2020. Twenty, But a 10% entrepreneur is looking for ownership. The idea is I'm creating ownership stakes because maybe if I'm a freelancer, one day I get sick or I can't work or you just never know what's happened. My business dries up. I want to be an owner of things that are sort of continuing to grow and make money, even if I'm not directly input into them on a daily basis.
0: And one of your theories is that you should hold down a job. Tell us more about why.
3: Right. So one of the things that people ask me, and very fairly, is, well, I saw on Shark Tank or Dragon's Den or whatever show you watch that if you're not all in, you can't be an entrepreneur. And I I understand that to a degree. But the problem is that that implies either you've got family money or that you've made your money. Um, already, and so that shuts down lots of people who haven't quite gotten there or who aren't willing to live on a paper, you know, on the side of the road on the way to Manchester and eat ramen every day, right? Mm. And so... What I say is, you know, it's fine to start out small, do things on the side, actually validate whether your idea works or not. And in fact, doing so statistically has been proven to give you a 50% higher chance of being successful. And then once you see if something works, you can certainly consider going there full time, but you can also consider uh, becoming something part-time and always being part-time and holding out your day job because you know you may not want to go off and work at that restaurant full-time but you may want to invest in it and be part of it on the weekends or something
2: and terry is 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 that a scrappy way to behave well i think that you know ultimately you're not going to get scrappy every day right this is just one more tool that you're going to put in your kind of tool bag if you will When we were interviewing all of the different individuals who were known for executing a successful scrappy effort, some of them were small business owners, some of them were investors, some of them were sales professionals, and we were looking for the through line. Like, what is the common denominator of all scrappy individuals and efforts? And we found two things. When we ask them, what made you get scrappy? It's because they were irritated, frustrated. They were annoyed. They wanted to find some way to change their circumstances. And I liken it to uh, a little piece of sand in the bed of an oyster. Without that irritation, it creates no pearl. So it's really nice to think, okay, I want to start my own business or I want to change my circumstances. But that that how-to mechanism is usually where the block comes in. So Uh, the question becomes, all right, yes, I'd like to start my own business or I'd like to advance my career, but how do I get there? And when you kind of listen and learn from those scrappy individuals who broke out, it will stimulate ideas for you. You might not think, oh, okay, I'm not going to do that, but I could do this. I could morph that concept. And I think when you start to really get into a mindset of practical, tactical execution, then that vision becomes reality and you can kind of put your boots on the street and make it happen. And that's really have the two ideas kind of complement each other. You can have this 20,000-foot view of where you want to go, but you better have your boots on the street and get scrappy and do the work to execute, whether it's 10%, 20%, and then ultimately being all in at 110%.
0: And presumably holding down a job and running your business or entering the kind of entrepreneur sphere at the same time is, is the best way to avoid FOMO?
3: I think so, and you know, I love what Terry said because – One of the really critical things that people need to do is find things that they're good at, but also that they enjoy. I mean, that's where the best projects lie, because if you're good at them, it means you have the resources to do the appropriate work to know whether or not the idea works and actually marshal the resources you need to be successful. But being an entrepreneur is hard work and it's not that every day is going to be great. Some days you will not have FOMO. You'll think to yourself, why have I done this? But it's the passion piece that gets you through the obstacles and the sort of the late nights and things like that. And so I think, you know, I think we should be, bundling our books on Amazon because you know because <laughs> one thing that really bugs me about um so I I don't read that many business books I've read a bunch now cuz when you as, as Terry can attest when you write business books you your publisher sends you like a gazillion and, <laughs> really and yeah and but I noticed a lot of books like give a really great idea but never show you how to do it or are completely impractical on what you really need to do and so I was really I was really focused on you know, giving people a sense of reality and making sure they knew this is not an overnight thing. This is a, a a lifestyle that will take you someplace over a period of months and years, not simply a quick fix, get rich overnight, working four hours a week kind of thing, right?
2: Right. And I, you know, to kind of piggyback on that, there's a great quote from Jim Carrey where he says, look, you can fail at what you don't want to do. So you might as well take a chance on doing what you love. You could be in a job that you despise every day, right? You might be paying the bills, but that's not living your life. So if you're hating it, what is worse, like being in a job that you hate every day or actually kind of living your dream and taking the chance? And yes, it is hard, but either way, it's hard. It's hard to be in a job that you don't like just as much as it's hard to be an entrepreneur. So, you know, why not believe in yourself and give yourself a shot, but do so in a well thought out, practical, tactical way. Think through your strategies, and then a) you avoid FOMO, b) you get a little scrappy, and c) that's how you make it happen.
1: Uh, one of the things I enjoyed, Terry, was uh, your list of uh, common scrappy mistakes to avoid: uh, bribing <laughs> people, lying to people, presumably uh, punching them in the face is not a good thing to do either. But playing dirty, and uh, I suppose the judgment call thing as well—poor uh, judgment. Um, how do you avoid these things? And is it something which is learned, or something which you've got a—you've um, you know—got an innate uh, ability to avoid? How does that work?
2: Right. So my mantra is always, look, let's keep it classy and scrappy. I think you can come up with a beautiful, clever way to gain access to individuals and to make things happen without being off-putting, irritating, or annoying. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, under this kind of concept of, oh, I was trying to be scrappy, people you know, really didn't really think through what is the recipient or the receiver really want to hear. And so in really simple terms, um, some of the best ideas are you go, oh, my gosh, that was just so clever. That was just an amazing way to come up with um, with access. So, for example, you may have heard about the young Girl Scout who decided to kind of bypass the door-to-door uh, you know, visit your neighbor, try to get people to buy cookies, get them to sign up and then go back and deliver the cookies. She just bypassed that. And she and her mom set up a Girl Scout cookie stand in front of a legal marijuana pod distribution center <laughs> in Northern California. And they moved 117 <laughs> boxes of cookies in two hours, right? That's pretty scrappy. And well, I understand. I think you guys call it Girl Guides. I'm sure that's not <laughs> The, uh, right, the approach them. that the girl guys want us to do, but you can see the idea here, right? Let's find a clever workaround that helps you get where you want to go faster on a, on the, you know, so, if that's a little bit edgy, you could do something you might like think, oh, that's not me. I wouldn't do that. But you could kind of put you in a mindset where you're like, all right, what is a good, clever workaround? Well, and
3: do you have the address is- <laughs> of this uh, cookie stand just for a friend of mine?
2: <laughs> <laughs> when
0: does a clever workaround become a little bit stalky or inappropriate?
2: Right. So there's a beautiful illustration uh, from a friend of mine. Her name's Toni Co. She's the owner and creator of NYX Cosmetics. And there was a gal who was really just off-putting. She was very persistent. Now, initially, she was really clever. She kind of came up with some ways to kind of get in the door. She made her presentation, but it wasn't a good fit. So at that point, Tony said, look, really appreciate your efforts. Not a good fit. Thanks anyway. But the gal kept persisting, so much so that she found out that Tony had a dog that she really liked, and she uh, so the girl sent dog treats, and then it started Mm -hmm. to really freak Tony out. So, um, yes. Being a little scrappy to get in the door is a beautiful way to set yourself apart. Being stalker-like is off-putting and annoying. So it is a bit of a dance. But on the flip side, uh, I can give you a really beautiful example of somebody who did it the right way. Uh, There's a gentleman named Stephen Valera. He was an Imagineer for Disney. And he really wanted to get a job working for Wizards of the Coast, doing video gaming and creating all kinds of different um, gaming strategies. But it's a very different culture between Wizards and Disney. So he's like, all right, even though I have a great job and I have a great resume, how do I set myself apart? So he crafted this elaborate plan to deliver his resume in these crates with tablets that would be cracked open. But before he did it, he took it to all of his friends and colleagues at Disney, and he said, look, this is what I'm thinking about doing. This is And these were just his friends, right, not his boss. <laughs> hmm. And he said, this is what I'm thinking about doing. What do you guys think? And he said there was a pause in the room. And they said, you know what, Steven? if you don't do this, we're going to be disappointed in you. So he ran it by some people first, and that was a beautiful strategy. So then when he executed, it actually did make it into the office of the CEO at Wizards, He was so impressed. He said, you know what, Stephen, we don't have a position for you here, but I have a colleague who would be a beautiful fit for you. And he actually helped Stephen get in with this other company. Stephen ends up getting his dream job. And not only did it work out beautifully, but think about it. If he hadn't gotten scrappy and been a little creative, this serendipitous outcome would have never occurred. So one of the beautiful elements of getting scrappy is that, A, you don't get FOMO, right? Because you're not missing out. You're engaged. You're in the game. B, you're allowing opportunities to happen. And if you do it in a classy, elegant way, the worst thing that could happen is nothing. It flatlines. The best case scenario is that it moves your intention forward. And you don't have to score on every play. Just advance the ball.
0: But he gauged at first, which I guess is the important thing. Um, absolutely patrick i i want to ask about your new campaign which i'm going to make a little bit more satirem appropriate by calling it fear of effing up yeah Fofu? i'm trying to
3: make that happen but i don't want to use the naughty word so um i, I think F- uh, i'm being careful yeah we, we can come up with a british appropriate version <laughs> fouling up
0: fow- <laughs> tell us about it
3: so, you know, I think – I the, I don't want to be just known for things that start with F because that would be, you know, career limiting. <laughs> However, I think that um, one thing that's really interesting and I see a big difference between the U.K. and the U.S. is how we talk about failure. So in the U.S., we revel in our failure because – The more you failed, the more you're successful later on. It's like I've climbed the higher mountain and look at me. I feel, and I've seen this here with 10% Entrepreneur, we've had really wonderful reception here in the UK because I feel like failure and risk-taking is a different place in in the culture here. And entrepreneurship is newer, and so there are fewer success stories, and um, there is less of a willingness to talk about failure. And so, Isn't it
1: the case that uh, for, for the UK, a Fofu is more appropriate than a fomu? Could be, could be.
3: FOMO, sorry. I do feel that it is, I, I just feel as I talk to people here, a different um, sort of, in the US, what I've seen is a lot of people who have launched businesses that are very sort of speculative, kind of half-baked ideas, but they're not afraid to fail because they'll have another war story for their collection. Here I see people being much more cautious, maybe to the point of having fofu and never going for that and so I think you know that's where the 10% comes in because you have this day job you experiment on the side and back to what we just talked about with Terry you know there is of course a complete and total moral element to this which is that everybody who I cleared in my book and I have dozens of stories from 10 countries everybody put their full name because this is not something that you hide from your boss because this actually is something that and and you, I've spoken a number of times with Google because Google understands that having employees who are fulfilled who are becoming getting an entrepreneurial education on their own time and on their own dime is better for everybody it makes the business more dynamic it makes the employer the employee more engaged and it really teaches people how to think like entrepreneurs and you can read both of our books but you'll never learn how to be an entrepreneur unless you actually go into the world and do it
0: Uh, and i think those are beautiful words to almost end on (laughs) Um, before you go, I want to ask you both one question. I will start with you, Patrick, because you're probably more practiced at this. What is the f- worst case of FOMO you've ever had?
3: Ay yeah, ay That's a tough one. Um, I think that's a really, I'm going to pass, if I may pass to Terry and then can- come back to me.
2: Terry, please help him. <laughs> well, I'd probably say, you know, ultimately executing a scrappy effort uh, can unfold in countless ways. It will reflect an individual's personality, their skills, their dreams of the future. And I believe it's powerful to envision what the future might look like when you make a particular scrappy effort, whatever its size or intensity or risk succeeds. So imagine how that success might ripple through the rest of your career or life. And if you just remember that you're the main character of your own life story, and when you kind of get scrappy and makes for fun interesting chapters and you won't have FOMO and now's the time for you. I mean these ty- these kinds of conversations are really about the individual listener who's, you know, on the other end of the conversation. You know, how can this help you? How does it inspire you? How can we be of service to you? And if the ideas that we have both shared today can be of service, then we just kind of advance the intentions of everyone.
0: Okay, I feel like you evaded the question there a little bit, Patrick. (laughs) All
3: right, so what's my worst case of FOMO? This is like a little bit, I'll reveal my soul here. So after my job at AIG blew up and I was like, you know, trying to figure out what I was going to do and my stock fell 97%, I felt like a bit bad. Um, And I wanted to do something else, but I didn't know what. And a friend of mine named Andy Dunn started a company called Bonobos, which has really taken off in the U.S. It's an awesome company. I make men's clothing and it fit him so well. Cause it just, it's like he and the company, it's like Tori Birch, you know, Tori Birch, you meet her and, or I haven't met her, but you see her and she is her brand. And Andy is bonobos. And I thought to myself, I was like, Andy, you've started a company that so fits with who you are. I would like, I, that's what I want to do someday. I really wish I could figure out how to do that. And I felt this FOMO and I, and we're Facebook friends. And like, so I would get all these, like Andy at the store opening. And I was like, ah, I got to find my thing that, that I feel passionate about. And it wasn't until the book came out and I started doing it and it felt so effortless. that I realized that like, I finally had found my bonobos. Um, although you can't wear mine, you have to carry it around in a bag. But, um, but that, 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 and I think when you feel FOMO, I I mean, it's one thing to be like, I wish I was at the club Um, That's one type of FOMO, but that's not really like profound for your life. But when you feel FOMO around seeing people do things that you wish you were doing that are more meaningful, those are clues into what you maybe should be thinking about doing in the future.
0: The Bonobo FOMO. (laughs)
3: That's awesome.
1: With thanks to Terry Shodine and Patrick McGuinness, this has been City AM Unregulated.
0: As ever, you can get the podcast on cityam.com or download it on Audio Boom or iTunes. City AM Unregulated is an Audio Boom production.